Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Oh, hold on, I got some fun. Okay, three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. We've all got some problems yeah. today. Uh, Sipple more than others. I'm Chris. There's Steve. Oh, There's come Parker. on. Oh, come, come on. on. It's, it's 10, Thompson. 11 a.m. here on Friday, April 15th. We're going a little early today. We've got some other obligations we need to tend to. Um, we're going to talk some spring ball, kind of wrap that up. Some questions that we need to answer looking ahead. We'll talk a little recruiting. We'll talk a little baseball. We'll get you out of here. We'll keep it tight here on a Friday for you. We know you have a lot of plans. We don't want to keep you for a long time. So let's get right into it. Spring game was last Saturday. We didn't learn a whole lot. My dog's hacking up a lung right now. Um, <laughs> we've all got problems. We've all got problems. We all got problems. Um, didn't learn a whole lot, especially in the first half with the with the format. I guess I'll, I'll turn it over to the experts here. You know, coming out of what we saw on Saturday, what are maybe some questions that you guys have that you guys want to get answered going forward here? Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot. There's a lot. I don't. I don't know how many que- I don't know how many of the questions we went into spring ball with, or more pertinently, the coaching staff went into spring ball with, have been answered just lock, stock, and barrel. And that's probably to be expected to some degree because of the amount of change um, that that's happening in the program. Like I think, obviously, we talk a lot about four offensive coaches and all of that, but the thing that I, I keep thinking this, and it's it's I think it's really true. Like you're talking about four new coaches and a new play caller on offense with a new quarterback and a bunch of new guys who you're counting on for production. You you're talking about probably up to seven new starters on defense. And you're talking about a new guy in charge of special teams and sort of a revamped approach on that, not to mention new specialists across the board. So like it's, there's a lot of change. And I just think it's sort of, I mean, you can go as macro or as micro as you want on the questions that are left. Um, How is the offensive system going to sort of pull together here now over the summer after a spring that was heavy on install and light on, you know, fine detail? How are they going to supplement the depth on the defensive front? Uh, What kind of jump is the offensive line really going to make once game start? Like it all... I think there's a lot of questions left. Um, we learned some over the course of spring ball, or we think we learned some, but there's uh, plenty of work left to be done before they get on the plane to go to Ireland. Yeah, here's, the, here's what I find fascinating. Think about this now. Think about the oh, early spring and how the conversation, how much the conversation now contrasts and how much like the even the, facial expressions and mood contrast. So early it was what? Oh, this, this is cool. These, look at these, all these new dudes, you know, um, it was, it was exciting, right? There's an inject. We, we talked about an injection of energy. Okay. Now what's happened as in my mind, as the spring has gone on, there's, there's, there's a reality that's set in and it's not quite as, is not quite as fun. You know, it's not, Oh man, this is new and exciting. Now, every day that every day that goes by that approaches August 27th, the tension increases. And I've, I, I think it's increased. 
I think after spring ball that everybody understands, whoa, 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 this is, I mean, you just went through it. I don't even need to go through it. You just went through it. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, and they got to, they got to rip it or they got to get it right quick. And they came out of spring. There's still a lot of questions. I mean, so, so God, my God, those my first God. two, my first two weeks, those my not my first two of August, those first two weeks of August in camp, they almost, I feel like they have to be the best two weeks of Scott Frost's life. Yeah. I mean, because you got about two weeks before you really get into, okay, you got a, a game to prepare for. So you got about two, two and a half weeks of camp where you can, you got to get yourself right. And then it's okay. We got a team in front of us now. So the time is really of the essence of as it always is. I think you can look at the other side of the coin on that, especially on offense and say, they're a long way from being a finished product, but I don't know. I I don't, I mean, I don't know, but I think it would be maybe overstepping to say that, that categorically that they're a long way from where the principals expected them to be at this point. Right. I mean, they might be on track. I mean, Mark Whipple's done this a lot of times in his career where he's come into a new place as a play caller and a leader of the offense. And there's not like, there is not an overnight way to teach guys a system and get them comfortable. And especially with quarterbacks, get them comfortable playing the way that Mark Whipple wants them to play against all the different defenses you're going to see in all of that. Now that's, part of the reality of being in a such a state of change. Um, But he talked about how this spring, I mean, it's not like he really changed his tenor from the beginning of spring ball to the end. It's not like at the beginning of spring ball, he was like, Hey, we're going to rock and roll. And this is going to be lights out from the start. And then at the end, he was talking about, well, let's just not turn the ball over and all that. I mean, he's really sort of managed the expectations of his quarterbacks from the beginning and of the offense from the beginning and said, we're going to lay down as much as we can over spring ball. And then basically it's on you guys to go refine it on your own this summer. And then that process continues when camp starts. So it's, um, people are going to want, I think fans are going to want some semblance of clarity between now and late August, but I'm just telling you, like, it's not coming. I mean, you're not really going to know what this team has uh, until the, the bullets start flying for real. Might not know for a few games into the season, right? Like, because it'll change dramatically from game one to game two. Like, you figure out what works, what doesn't. Figure out what guys can do, what they can't. Like, you talk about getting clarity, like, leading into the first game. They might not have clarity to, like, game three, game four. And they don't really have time for that. I mean, no, but that's the situation they're in. So, yeah, it's – they got a long way to go. So if you're right, it, it's kind of hit me here as we're sitting here talking about it. Like there's, there's a lot they have to figure out and there's going to be a lot that they can't figure out until August 29th or whenever that game is. So yeah, it's, you, you would have to think that that reality has kind of started to, to hit these guys in the face a little bit. Yeah. The, it, it's, a, it's fun. I mean, it's for it's us. fun for us. It's, yeah, yeah. It's super. Yeah. It's super interesting. And the summer months before August are critical too. And I, it, it's hard to get a, a real good handle on that picture. I know it won't be, Hey, uh, the coaches will, the coaches aren't just going to say, okay, guys, just go do what you do. I'll see, we'll see on July 31st. It can't be that. 
they'll work with them. I think they get 20 hours a week with them. If I were them, I'd push that. Um, and I would, you know, keep close tabs on what's going on. I think they have to use the summer as almost like a, like you have spring camp and then you have the traditional fall camp. I would, I would tr treat it like, okay, we're going to have a, we're going to have a kind of a summer camp too here that is unofficial. I think I don't, remember the, I don't remember the exact rule, simple, but I think it's eight hours a week, six of them in the weight room and then two of them. Yeah. 20 is actually, yeah. 20 is actually what they get now. You're right. Yeah. Right. Eight, but eight, God, eight. It's gotta be. Yeah. That's not but the thing point. about that. Yeah. They should just flagrantly break the rules. It's probably, I would flagrantly push it to about 18 to 20. Yeah. But what they do. 36. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I would 40. encourage no summer classes. I, yeah. I, I, what are you doing? In summer or at school? least don't go. At least don't. If you, you can be yeah, in summer like classes, sign up for the go. classes and, and just don't go. Like, yeah. We'll yeah. have some people take the point. The, uh, just have someone else do the work. That's never backfired spectacularly for any program at any level of college athletics. The, um, they got to have NIL money. You can hire somebody to do your work now. Just yeah. do that. And if you don't have the money, we'll just give you a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Try to get the analysts involved in terms of the on-field yeah. coaching. And just, uh, it, I do think what, what ends up happening, though, is that, like, that's part of the reason why, especially on offense, they structured the spring the way they did, right, is to give um, the guys who are going to be leaders on offense as much of a baseline knowledge of the, the sort of core tenets as possible so that they can work on their own on that stuff and have what Mark Whipple called a library of film and information to try to build off of over the summer. And then they can spend as much time. I mean, if you're Casey Thompson or if you're Trey Palmer, or if you're Kamonte Grimes or Heinrich Harbour, you can spend as much time as you want in the facility over the summer. And the guys who are the off field staffers, GAs, um, you know, and, and uh, analysts and all like that, they, they can talk with those guys in the meeting rooms as much as they want. They can only have so much, uh, you know, on-field instruction with the coaches, but there's nothing that says that, you know, Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers and Austin Whipple um, can't sit in the film room any night of the summer and go over stuff. So a lot, they got to be, it's not just pick up where you left off when, when uh, camp starts in late July, it's, you got to be pretty far ahead of, of where you're at right now. Yeah. And that's what I say. And thanks for seriously, thanks for the correction on the 20. Yeah. Eight is sound. That sounds more correct. <laughs> So what do you think, What then just briefly before we transition to recruiting, I mean, what do you think about the, what, what did you make of what you saw? I mean, not, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say even what you saw in the spring game from the defense, but did, what do you make of sort of where they're at on that side of the ball, Sipple? I mean, you heard Garrett Nelson talk about the standard and, and sort of picking mm -hmm. up where they left off, even though they've lost a bunch of guys. Scott alluded to something I thought was interesting, and that is the pass rush had been pretty good throughout the spring. And I thought during the spring game, that was one element that you could you could sort of – that was a takeaway, I thought. Yeah. I thought those edge, edge guys, Garrett Nelson, Jamari Butler, um, those two in particular, um, they look good. And just – and really what you saw, Baz, Baz commented on it during the game – was the pocket breaking down a lot? I mean, that's always a, you know, there's always good news, bad news discussions when it comes to spring games. The good news is the past, I mean, the past rush did look pretty formidable. And, and Scott said that was, he alluded to that being a constant. 
during the spring. So that that's one takeaway. And I do think, I mean, that's without O'Shawn Mathis. I mean, if you maybe you add O'Shawn Mathis in that part of the the TCU uh, former TCU player who's in a portal, if you add that and maybe that even looks better than it did on Saturday. But I mean, Garrett Nelson, I think has become a pretty good player. I think he's yeah. made himself into a, 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 I'd say a good to good plus big 10 player. And that's, that's one big takeaway. They get Casey Rogers back to, you know, healthy over the summer. And one of the things that, They've talked about for for years, and I've talked to Casey about this too. Is like it's one thing to have you you got to have edge rushers, but man, the best. I mean, watch the NFL any given weekend. Like the best pass rush units, they get pressure from the interior too. Yeah. And so that's where yeah, that's where <laughs> when they, you know so yeah, you just got yeah. So that's where you know like it's it's good to have that, you know, sort of seems like a budding core of, of, of edge guys and maybe a nice, you know, set of four, or if you get O'Shawn Mathis um, five that can, that can go a little bit from the edge. And then well, one of the questions that I think is still unanswered is what does that interior defensive line look like? You're going to get Casey Rogers back, but you're asking a lot of him and Ty Robinson. Nash Schottmacher got a lot of penetration, looked like a big, strong, explosive yeah. guy during the spring game, but you've also got it. It's a tough duty to be a young guy. And it's one thing to push a guy in the backfield. Then you got to make a play, you know, or you got to make it count. So that progression, we've talked about it a lot, but that's going to be key. I think, right. I mean, they've got some talent. Um, they've got some depth of linebacker level. They've got talent and competition, if not clarity in the secondary, but man, um, you know, you got to find a way to be good at the line of scrimmage. If you're going to, if you're going to be, a solid to good Big Ten defense. Yeah, tell me you guys don't get jacked up when a guy drops back to pass, and the and the pocket starts collapsing, and it gets he gets happy feet and it gets a little weird in there. And uh, I get the dude, I'm jacked just hearing you talk dudes, about it. I like I like it when those big dudes, big dudes start swiping at the ball. Their arms are going over the offensive lineman and. Um, yeah, it's that, that's one of the that's one of the coolest parts of football. Like a pump block, super cool. One of know? one of my favorite pictures uh, of the in the history of Nebraska football is from the Orange Bowl where they played Tennessee and Peyton Manning's in the pocket, and it's that it's exactly that. It's Grant Wistrom's like got his arms up, and there's about three. Yeah. He's just like he's about to get closed in on. It. It's like it's a great photo. That's, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Those are great parts in games. The crowd gets gets kind yeah. of crazy and. It's it's kind of like when a it's kind of like when a, a three point shooter gets hot and he catches the ball in a basketball yeah. game and everybody kind of starts going oh uh, yeah yeah exactly. Simple up stands and, up in the press box and yells sack lunch sack lunch beating on the glass yeah, yeah. sack, sack lunch. lunch I I've never done that <laughs> turkey cloth <laughs> my sack lunch that would be something that I would expect more. Yeah, you do occasionally, though. You do occasionally, literally bring a sack lunch to the press box, though. So that you got that. <laughs> yeah. I respect that's the true. hell out of that. By the way, that's true. Yeah. Well, I get hungry. Those games are five hours long. I know it's a day. It's a day. Yeah. Okay. We, what uh, else? What else? What else? Little recruiting. There's a massive recruiting weekend, um, and we don't use we don't throw the word massive around lightly. There was a ton of guys. Yeah. At this game, and, and everybody wants to focus on Dylan Rayola and, and holding babies and all and all that sort of stuff. But man, they had 
dozens and dozens and dozens of guys at this game over the weekend. And on Parker, too. Parker, yes. 100, yes. Plus, 100 plus recruits yes. on him. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge, yeah, there was uh, just in terms of volume and in terms of quality, honestly. I mean, they had, you know, they had big, big groups of players that have scholarship offers uh, from Georgia, from Chicago, um, from Louisiana. They had a bu- almost every uh, signee, I think, that, you know, is already in the program, but, but isn't here for spring ball. So you're like guys like Nicholas Crawford, uh, Janiron Bonner, um, Emmett Johnson, the running back. Um, so yeah, sort of across the spectrum, Oshan Mathis, who we've already talked about was the lone official visitor. He subsequently said he'll be making his decision at the end of April, um, probably between Nebraska and Texas on that, um, the two schools we know he's visited the spring, Nebraska, his only official, um, took an unofficial to Texas a few weeks ago and then just a whole bunch more, you know, I mean, that. There's a defensive lineman from Georgia, 2023 kid named Josh Horton, um, who's a 6'5 and 290, um, who had really good things to say about his visit. Um, put Nebraska in his top group, is going to commit soon. Uh, feels like Nebraska is at least in contention there. Um, you know, wide receivers and running backs. And I just had guys from sort of across the spectrum uh, on campus. And they, they made an offer um, to Brock. Uh, Knudsen, who's an offensive lineman from Scott's Bluff. Um, so another in-state scholarship offer for the 23 class goes out. Um, he's going to take officials in June to Iowa State and Nebraska, so it sounds like that's the, the battle there. So, you know, Nebraska's already got five guys in its 23 class. Um, it's been a few weeks since they've added to it, but it's still far ahead of where um, they've been in past years, especially, you know, the, the sort of COVID impacted recruiting cycles um, and you think that they'll probably add, you know, more to it and maybe quite a bit more to it by the time say like May's over and the official visit season really starts in June. One other thing, just quickly before we move on it also today is Friday, the 15th, it's 10 29 AM. So cool. Uh, and yes. the coaching staff's out on the road. Um, it's the first spring evaluation period since 2019. Uh, last two have been called off because of the pandemic. Um, and so they're going to be out. This is a time of year where uh, coaches are essentially on the road for the better part of the next six weeks all over the place, um, you know, watching kids. They can go watch kids work out at schools uh, in some parts of the country. They're literally playing spring football, essentially, seven on seven. Uh, so it's a time where, uh, the coaches say, you know, sayonara to the families and spend the like literally all week, pretty much every week, um, uh, at least during the work week on the road over the next few weeks. So a lot of evaluating and probably some some shakeup in terms of recruiting boards and guys that are really interested in all of that in the coming weeks. I would want to ask Baz a question. There's this sort of conundrum <clears throat> that popped up. A lot of questions about it this week. We mentioned this 100 plus recruits on hand. Trev talked about all these uh, alumni on hand for the spring game. Yet the spring game has become this sort of puzzle. Like, what do you do with it? Right? It's we, what we watched. Um, I mean, we keep kind of alluding to it. what do you take away from it when they're playing, you know, they're playing tag football um, and pads in the first in the first half. I don't know. I don't have an easy answer to this. 
Uh, I don't know what you do. Do you keep calling it the spring, the red, white spring game and, and try to make as much a game as possible? Or maybe do you just go to, you just say, Hey, everybody, you can come um, watch it. We're not going to scrimmage or we might scrimmage a little. We're going to have a practice or do you make it a fan fest or something in between all that? Here, here's what I think you do. And you call it the red white game because you need to market it. And look, they do it because they know they can put 50, 60, 70,000 people in the stands and charge them yeah. 10 bucks a pop. You're basically getting <laughs> another home game out of this deal. After they buy the tickets, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can have a scrimmage. You can play tag football. Buckerman, I mean, baby. I, I'm, I'm just being, let's just be real about it. Like, I mean, you're, you're not. You're not letting them, you're not letting fans come in for free. You're not just holding this out of the kindness of your heart. You're charging them money, money to come in and you're charging them for concessions when they get there. Like, like they're using this as a money making venture. And, and that's a, a lot of what it's become. It's a recruiting day, obviously. And it's also a chance for the athletic department to make, make a million bucks, basically, you know? So, and it, it's at the end of spring ball. Look, you're never you're never going to have your top guys go out there and play full on tackle now. Well, Ohio state's doing it this year, but that's a, they got a little different story on the depth side of it than Nebraska does. But like, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and play a full on full tackle football game in your last spring practice of the year. Uh, Especially this year, if you're Scott Frost, you need to keep those guys healthy. Like I get it. And I get that we need stuff that we need, like in in our profession, we need stuff that, Mm-hmm. to take away stuff to analyze and, and things like that. And the fans want to see the fans want to see what guys look, they want to see Casey Thompson throw more than four passes or, or whatever. I get all that, but look, I mean, the reality of it is Nebraska's making a lot of money doing this thing, how they're doing it. And they're getting a lot of recruits on campus doing it, how they're doing it. Once, yeah. once you get to the stadium, you do whatever you want. I think they, you know, Bass, they used to, they did used to play. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's there changed. was a time yeah. where they lined up and played. Now it was another time in a program. So there's that reality that you have to deal with. It's not the same. It's not the same program and it's not the same world either. Um, yeah. So there's a, so again, it's sort of, and, and now you say we got to be real about it. Well, being real about it's not calling it the red, white spring game, if that's not what you're going to do. So, so I, I don't know if you keep calling it that I don't, but, it, but you still, I think you do, comes back to the recruiting element. You can point to that, those 55,000 people and say, this is unique. Well, you got to, if you're going to keep doing that, you got to make it so it is worth coming to, you know? Yeah. And there was a lot of people, you, you, we were standing up there after that, or we were sitting up there covering it and going, man, what are we doing here? Like, what is this? It's um, interesting. I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily wrong, like with the way that, they've done it the last two years, but it does feel a little bit like they're stuck in between having it be a game, like a a football and an entertainment event. And I just wonder, like it, it feels like the ultimate sort of inevitable conclusion is if you're not going to go back to having it be more about football, then is it going to tilt more toward entertainment? You know, and I don't know if it's ever going to be like opening night in basketball where you've got a musical, you know, like a music event in coordination with that. I don't think that's necessarily impossible, um, but they don't really do any of the like 
some places, you know, they have the offensive linemen have a punt catching competition or they, mm-hmm. you know, there's a field goal shootout through the, now Nebraska doesn't have its full complement of field goal kickers. And maybe that wouldn't have been all that pretty this year. The kicking wasn't great on Saturday, but just there's some of that stuff that's like you, sometimes you jazz it up and it's just sort of goofy stuff. And that doesn't really seem to be Frost's MO. Like that would never be what Scott would sort of like draw up. Is like, here's what we're going to do. But, Bring a cat out of the tunnel. Yeah, right, right, exactly. But that, but you, it sort of seems like eventually it's going to go more toward one direction or more toward the other. And the entertainment value just seems like the more likely proposition than going, having it look more like a real football game in the future. Stuck in the middle. That's a, thank you. That's a great Peter's way. wheel. Great song. Stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good song. Yeah, I, I know. Steel. I think it's Steeler. Or, or is he? Is that Steeler's Wheel? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Steeler's Wheel. Yep, I just looked it up. Nice job. All right. There's your music. Stuck in the middle. Okay. Yeah, like, all right, should we wrap this up with a little baseball talk? Yeah. How many people were at the game last night? Nebraska beats BYU Friday night 1-0. How many people were there? Thursday night, 1-0, one hitter. Nebraska had three hits. Uh, I would guess 1,000 people or less. Uh, it was not a very good crowd. Um, it was a little weird. It's Thursday Thursday night game, which is a little little off. Um, it's not conference. It's it's a, not a real familiar opponent. They haven't played BYU in several years. But, yeah, the crowd, the berms in the outfield were virtually empty. I, the left field berm had one, had like two people sitting on a blanket. You know, like it, there just weren't many people there. So, and it wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like it was warm or anything like that. So, yeah, crowd wasn't great. Got a 12, well, 13 and 18 baseball team now, playing a 17 and 12 baseball team. So, uh, that's just where they're at. They haven't, they're not playing well now. They played, they played well last night. Cody Frank was great on the mound and they, they got what they needed to offensively in the seventh inning and got it done. But, yeah, I mean, it's, Look, I I, I kind of I put this in my story. I tweeted it last night. They've been outscored. They've scored two runs their last two games. They have five total hits, um, and they're one and one. They've been outscored twenty to two the last two games, and they've won one and lost one. So they're just in a weird spot right now. The Rutgers series was weird. They're kind of in it the first two games and just a total blowout uh, on Sunday. Six games below five hundred for the first time in eight years. You know, it's they've had a few games this year. We've had to go digging through the record books to look up, you know, worst loss since whenever or most runs given up since whenever. So it's just it's 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 kind of strange to watch, especially with what with a Will Bolt coach team. Like it's you wouldn't expect losses like that, um, but they've happened and whether that's the effect of those guys moving on after last year that moved on. And maybe that, maybe that's affected them more than we thought it would. That's probably part of it. Maybe it's young guys struggling to adjust. I don't know. They've certainly had some injuries in the pitching staff. And they certainly have, have had some guys that haven't hit like they thought they would, but yeah, it's just, it hasn't quite, it hasn't quite clicked yet for Nebraska. And, that, and that's how you get to 13 and 18 halfway through the year. We're about halfway through the season. Where would the spark come from? If they're going to make a, like a pretty major turnaround and push, push for the upper division finish in the Big Ten. Where would it come from that you see? What's most likely? Boy, that's a great question. It's, they got to find something on offense, and whether that's Max Anderson getting going and Bryce Matthews getting going, like they're just they're not consistent enough on offense 
right now. And it affects everything else. It affects their pitching staff because the pitching staff feels like they have to be more perfect. That affects the defense because the defense has to be perfect. They, they have to find a spark there somehow. And look, you got a clutch hit from Nick Wimmers last night to, to win that game. You've had a few, you've had some walk-off hits this year. So you know that, that it's in there for this team, but they just have to find some consistency. You know, they, they strike out a ton with runners on base and runners in scoring position. It's, can, can you just start putting the ball in play more consistency? And that's weird to say uh, halfway through the season, but that, I mean, that's what it is. They, even the Creighton game the other night that got postponed, yeah, the bases loaded, one out, and struck out twice, back to back. Like they even put the ball in. You know, it, it's stuff like that. So, <laughs> if they, they if they can find a way to to just get that going, and look in the Big Ten, they might be able to. Big Ten's not very good this year. You know, I think Rutgers is pretty good. I think Maryland's pretty good. Outside of that, there's nothing there that really scares you. I don't think if you're Nebraska, so they they could do this because the level of competition they're going to face isn't going to be isn't going to be real good. So they're going to have some opportunities. We saw what they did at Ohio State uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're going to have some opportunities to do that. Now, can you do it on a consistent basis weekend to weekend and, and build some momentum? I think if you can do it a couple of weekends in a row, they're going to build some confidence, and that's really going to help them more than anything. That is, yeah. Yeah, the Big Ten. I, it's I terrible. Probably lo- is it? It's terrible. They're the ninth-ranked conference in the country in the RPI right now. Think about okay. that. Okay. They're below Power the West nine. Coast Conference. I think they're behind the Valley. Um, yeah, like they're, they're just not very good. Like, well, you're defending champs 13 and 18. Indiana's down. Michigan's down. Like the teams that have been at the top of that league are down this oh, year. Right. Now, here's the key. The critical discussion, and it's really interesting how this has swung. The Big Ten tournament in Omaha, Nebraska's got to finish in the top eight. They're, I think they're tied for seventh right now. They got now the disaster is not reaching the tournament that you host. And I got, I think Bolt, Bolt I mean, he stayed pretty upbeat, at least with his comments to the media. And I think he has to, you have to have that in the back of your mind. You got to do whatever you can to, to, to get your team to that tournament. Well, and that's what he said, you know, outside of hosting a regional, he said all their goals are still intact. They can still win the league. They can still get to the big 10 tournament. If you win that, you're going to the you're going to a regional, and, and it's like I said that anybody can win that tournament at, at this point, from what I've seen. So yeah, it's not like the season is over by any no. means. Has it been no. disappointing? Yeah, absolutely, it's been disappointing. Um, you know, you talked before the season about wanting to host a regional, and that's out the window halfway through the year. There's no chance they're going to host a regional. So now it's about okay, we can still win the league, we can still win the league tournament if we if we find a way to turn this thing around over the back half of the season and. Look, you have a good weekend this weekend against BYU. You win three out of four. Maybe you get all four of them. Beat North Dakota State in the midweek. All of a sudden, you're kind of you're close to 500 again. You're going and playing an Indiana team that hasn't been great. So bottom of the bottom of the Big Ten. Yeah, you, you, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunities there for Nebraska to turn this thing around. Just because the strength of the schedule that they're going to play is not going to be very good. All right, so you got a game tonight. Oh, two games. Two games. Today. Double. Double 2 p.m., 5.30 p.m., doubleheader. Then they'll play one game Saturday. They don't play on Sunday, of course, because it's Easter, and BYU uh, doesn't compete on Sundays. So they'll wrap it up Sunday afternoon. Okay, so. well, take Easter off. Take Easter off. Hey, thanks. I might. Yeah, yeah. paint some eggs. Paint some eggs. <laughs> I don't, even know. don't you do that? Don't well, we probably this year. we got a little guy at home. He'll probably yeah, yeah, a little guy. You so. should teach him how to 
how to do that. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do that. Paul All right, guys. Like a prodigious egg painter. Yeah, it turns out he's like it's like it's like Fabergé. It's like Fabergé egg art, like weirdly, like just right out of the shoot. Palmer Picasso. Yeah, Plum Casso. All right, guys. Okay. Let's wrap this right, baby we'll... up. It's starting to get weird. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch a nice <laughs> tidy for you. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for watching.